Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Canyon Creek Baptist Church, where our goal is to know Jesus and make Jesus known. To learn more about Canyon Creek, visit us online at creekfamily.org. Today's sermon comes from student pastor Sam Seeley. Well, hey, good morning, everybody. I'm not the normal guy, so if you're expecting the normal guy, I'm sorry. Uh, This is what we like to call B-Team Sundays. Thank you. We say it every time, we're gonna eventually get t-shirts. We're gonna get t-shirts. It is a pleasure to be with you today. I'm Sam, I'm the student pastor here. Uh, I give announcements too, you know. Uh, So that's the thing I do here. Uh, I am so happy to be with you today. We are talking about a, a, a topic that we just went through with the youth maybe six weeks ago or so in this series called Main Character. It is a series about lesser known background stories and background characters that you've never heard of. Uh, But they have such a pivotal uh, story of faith that can reflect on our lives that we can take and run with. And so I wanted to do that today. Today, our story is from uh, 2 Kings chapter 11, if you wanna turn there in just a second. Uh, This is the most pivotal story you've never read. Uh, This is such an important four little verses that we're gonna be reading today uh, that have such an impact on Israelite history uh, and our faith, and you've never heard of it before because we don't talk about it. And so I wanted to to talk about it today. I apologize ahead of time. There are a lot of names. There's a lot of genealogy. I'm gonna do my best to unwind and explain that to you. So if you're confused and you say, hey, that guy's name sounds a lot like that guy's name. I know. They do, uh, and, but, but we'll, we'll break it down for you. Uh, even when you feel like a background character, God uses you. Uh, even when you feel like uh, you, you don't have much to offer, God has such an impact from the things that you do in your little quiet obedience. And that's what today's topic is on, and I wanted to talk about it. It's all about his story. It's all about his glory today. Uh, so 2 Kings chapter 11, we'll get there in a second, but first let me set the scene for you. Uh, Israel. Not good. Uh, Israel is not in a good place, uh, which sometimes I feel like it rarely is when we read scripture. Uh, It's not usually in a good place. Israel has divided itself into two kingdoms. There's a northern kingdom, which is Israel. But when I say Israel, I don't mean that kingdom. I mean the people. I mean the whole. Uh, So there's the northern kingdom, north of the Jordan River. That's Israel. There's the southern kingdom of Judah. That's the kingdom we're talking about today. When I say Israel, I mean Judah. That's so confusing, I know you're looking at me like, dude, seriously, we're already getting into this? I know, it's a lot, that's why we don't read from this book very often because it's so much to unpack, it's better for a Bible study, not so great for a sermon. Uh, So Israel has divided itself into two kingdoms. We are several generations past King David. Reason I say that is because it's important. Uh, David, remember these for the test, David had a son named? Solomon, sweet, what was Solomon's son's name? No, skipped a few. So we have David, then we have Solomon, then we have Rehoboam, okay, Rehoboam, then we have Abijah. Abijah has a son named Asa. Asa has a son named Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat has a son named Jehoram. Jehoram has a son named Ahaziah, and Ahaziah has a son named Joash. You need to remember those for the test, spelling included. Uh, It was not a great time to be king of Judah. Jehoram was the current king at the time. And Jehoram and most of David's kin that had descended from him were not good people. Uh, Jehoram, to preserve his line and make sure no one contested the throne, had most of his brothers killed. Not a good dude, not a good look. We've come a long way from the man after God's own heart, right? So King Jehoram kills most of his brothers. King Jehoram is married to 
a not very good woman. Her name is Athalia. Everybody say Athalia. Sweet. Athalia has a son with Jehoram whose name is Ahaziah. Ahaziah goes off in battle and he dies. Everybody say aw. Aw. Now, before Ahaziah died, he had a little baby boy named Joash. Okay? Little baby boy named Joash who's just a year old at the time of this story. Well, Jehoram gets sick. And when he's sick on the throne, he dies on the throne. And Athaliah, the bad news wife, says this would be a great time to seize power, which it would, uh, if you think about it. So she does this crazy thing where she says, I am going to find all of the heirs and I'm gonna take them out, right? And that is where our story begins. We're in this climate in Israel. Things are not good. Regicide is always on the table, it seems. It is not good to be king. Uh, And what I wanted to mention specifically was there is this princess. This is the person we're talking about today. Her name is Jehoshaphat. Everybody say Jehoshaphat. Great. You don't have to remember it. She's so important to this pivotal story. She's mentioned twice in scripture, but she's so important. And I wanted to specifically highlight her today. Jehoram's daughter is Jehoshaphat. Athaliah's daughter is Jehoshaphat. Ahaziah's sister is Jehoshaphat. Joash's, little baby Joash's aunt is Jehoshaphat. That is who we're talking about today when we read this passage in 2 Kings. Wasn't that confusing? Uh huh. So let's read together here. Verse 1, 2 Kings chapter 11, starting in verse 1, it says this When Athaliah, Ahaziah's mother, saw that her son was dead, she proceeded to annihilate all the royal heirs. We're caught up so far. Verse 2, Jehoshaphat who was King Jehoram's daughter and Ahaziah's sister, secretly rescued baby Joash, son of Ahaziah, from among the king's sons who were being killed and put him and the one who nursed him in a bedroom. So he was hidden from Athaliah and was not killed. Joash, baby Joash, was in hiding with her in the Lord's temple six years while Athaliah reigned over the land. Let's break for a second. So a lot's happened. We have this princess who rescues a a nephew, yes, uh, rescues a nephew and puts him away in the temple for six years. Her husband, Jehoshaphat's husband's name is Jehoiada. Everybody say Jehoiada. Jehoiada, okay, is a priest at this temple. And so he is safeguarding baby Joash and raising baby Joash by himself in this temple for six years. Verse four. In the seventh year, Jehoiada sent for the commanders of hundreds, the Karaites and the guards. He had them come to him in the Lord's temple where he made a covenant with them and put them under oath and he showed them the king's son. So this priest, Jehoiada, after, after six years of this baby being kept in secret, calls all these people to him and says, guys, I've got a secret to share with you. This is the rightful heir to the throne. This is the guy. And, spoiler alert, Athaliah is very quickly overthrown. Joash, at seven years old, becomes king of Judah. And bing, bang, boom, we have a king again. The rightful heir is is put on the throne. Why does this story matter even a little bit, Sam? Uh, Why do, I know why, it's so confusing. There's so many names, and I agree, you're right. Joash was the last remaining descendant of David. Why is that important? Because... Prophecy is well known that there is supposed to be a Messiah that comes from the line of David. And because of one princess, one princess holding on to hope and acting on that hope, 
we have a Jesus that we sing about. Isn't that crazy? This back, little backstory, background character person does this little bit of obedience, little bit of faith, has, has a little bit of hope, and she holds on to it, and we get to sing about a risen, about a risen Savior. That's insane, right? It's the best story that you've never heard, right? Jehoshaphat has hope in a promise, because by the way, this wouldn't have been unknown. Uh, David would have been, you know, it would have been known, hey, there's a Messiah who's gonna come save Israel, it's gonna come from the line of David. Jehoshaphat, seeing that her world is in chaos, knows that, hears that, oh man, David's line is about to be taken out, I have to do something. And she doesn't really do all that much. She just hides a baby with her husband in a temple for six years. But that little act of obedience, that little act that was based on hope means everything in terms of why we're even here, right? We have such a hope now because of her hope. Isn't that crazy? It's such a crazy story. Here's what's really neat about Jehoshaphat. First off, nobody names their daughter after Jehoshaphat, I hope. Uh, It's not a thing. Uh, Nobody gets named after her. We don't know her, right? But isn't her quiet little obedience so pivotal? It's so important. She decided to do the right thing. She decided to do the courageous thing. She decided to hold on to hope and act on that hope when her world was hopeless. And I feel like there's so much we can learn from that. The small things, the little things that we do in obedience to God, the small, little, boring, mundane little things that we do in obedience to God, he uses for an impact we can't even imagine. Do you have any, like she probably didn't know that 900 years later there was gonna come a Messiah because of her little act that she did that we don't know about, that we don't read about, that we don't name our daughters after, right? This little act had such a ripple effect, had such a domino effect I always joke with the students when we say domino effect, and I say, I prefer Pizza Hut effect. Uh, That's such a dumb joke, but you can say it now. Uh, The small things that we do in obedience have such an impact because God can use those little acts of obedience, those little hope clings that we hold on to and act on. It's important that we act on the hope, which we'll talk about in a second, and God uses that. He uses it all the time. And there's a really common misconception when it comes to being a Jesus follower, when it comes to being a believer, and that is that we say, God, you can, uh, you can have my moment, you can have my big plot points, right? We say, God, you can have my huge plot points, you can have this big part of my story. God, you can have this incredible you know, uh, uh, commitment that I'm making. God, I, I'm walking into a new job, I'm gonna be in, I'm gonna be in sub- com- complete submittance, submittance, that's not a word, is it? Thank you. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I love having support from you guys. Josh never gets the talk back. Uh, (laughs) I apologize ahead of time. I've had a cough for like two weeks. I had the flu a week ago. So if I cough, I'm sorry. Uh, You say, God, I'm gonna give you my whole heart in this new job. God, I'm I'm gonna be in complete obedience to you. God, uh, in this new relationship that I'm in, I'm giving it all to you. God, in this uh, new child that I just had, or God, in this new whatever, God, I'm giving that to you. We say, God, have my big moments. God, have my big plot points. But we have to be faithful and obedient all the time. We have to be faithful to the promises that God has given us. We have to hold on to that hope even when it's quiet, even when it's mundane, even when it's boring. I'm reminded of the story of Ruth 
which I'm sorry if there are any Ruth fans in here, the whole book in of itself is kind of like, what is this doing here? Uh, the whole book in of itself is, is kind of dull. It's kind of mundane, but it's to show that God moves in the mundane because from Ruth, we get a King David. And here we are generations after King David and we get a Jesus, right? Isn't it crazy that God moves in our mundane? God moves in our boring. He moves in our quiet, it's so important to remember that because we forget it all the time. We say, God, here, have my big moments, have my big plot points that my life folds around and centers around. But we don't give him our small moments. We can find ourselves being used by God in our quiet moments. Maybe we won't even find ourselves being used by God, but we won't see those Pizza Hut effects until generations later. There's a song that I love uh, that has a line in it and it says, so shall, it's a Christian song. Shall I plant sequoias and revel in the soil of a crop I know I'll never live to reap? A crop I'll know I'll never live to reap. Do you know how long it takes for a sequoia to grow? A long time. You could plant one in your backyard. They grow in this climate, but you'll never see it. Your child will never see it. Your grandkid might never see that sequoia. But man, what if you planted it now? Generations from now, you might have something there. We have no idea what our little obedience now could mean in the future because God can use it. He can use it. If you have hope in God's promises, you have to act on them. You have to. When I read this story and I see how bad Israel is, I am pretty comfortably reminded that the world has always been a mess. You ever hear stories, you ever read some history text and you're like, man, isn't it nice to know that everything has been bad all the time, always? Because sometimes we're so tempted to say, God, what is going on in our world right now? God, why, isn't, why is the world such a mess? It's only getting worse, right? We have these big moments where we say, we look at the news. If you watch the news regularly, I'm sorry. Uh, but we watch the news and we say, God, what is happening in our world? And in reality, God's like, dude, it's always been bad. Sin's always been here, man, right? Sin has always been wrecking this thing I've made, right? The world has always been so mad and so crazy. I'm gonna invite Austin up. And so when I read this story, that was so subtle, wasn't it? <laughs> Josh has like the best cues for Austin. He's like, hey, when, when I stop my foot once and wink, that means you should come up. Uh, not me, I'm not subtle, even a little bit. Uh, but I'm oddly encouraged by reading the story and seeing how chaotic, how insane Israel was. Because Jehoshaphat, in the face of this chaos, had a hope that she clinged to and she acted on it. What a crazy thing. In our world today, don't we have hope in Jesus Christ? Okay, don't we have such a hope to cling to? Like, goodness, we should be holding on to that hope with like a white knuckle grip. But the thing is, we have to act on that hope. You have to. Holding on to hope means nothing if you don't act on it. it. Means nothing. The gospel of Jesus Christ shines so brightly in the darkest shadows of this world. It can be really, really tempting to think that the world is worse than it's ever been, but that is not true. The world's always been bad. You can thank sin for that. Because of Jesus, we always have a hope to cling to, always have a hope to act on. Can I step on your toes for a minute? I know I'm just the student pastor. Can I step on your toes for a minute? Okay. It doesn't take a lot of me looking around online or really anywhere to see Christians uh, complaining about the way the world is. Am I right? We complain about it. 
very vocally. We make ourselves very known. Uh, We walk into church on Sunday ready to sing about this hope that we have, this hope that we claim to cling to, but then on Monday, we fail to act on that, don't we? We fail to act on this hope that we have. We have such a hope to cling to, but we do not act like it. We sing about it, right? We come in and we, we study about it. We're like, man, what a crazy thing this gospel is. What great news I have. And then we go from this place and we do not act on that gospel, do we? I like to call those Christians hell in a handbasket Christians. It's my little name for them. Because they have faith in God's promises. They're quick to say, oh yeah, I've got this great, this great faith. But then they're so quick to be like, the world's going to hell in a handbasket, right? They don't act on that hope. They have a hope, they claim the hope, they might even profess the hope around some people, but they don't act on it. Imagine if Jehoshaphat had her, you know, 900 BC Facebook that she went on and she just like complained. She's like, can you believe what Athaliah's doing to all the heirs? There was supposed to be a, William liked that joke. Uh, Can you believe what's going on? Gas prices are crazy, like, you know, like, That'd be ridiculous. Instead, she acted on the hopes that she had. She said, I'm not gonna stand for this. And she did something about it. And because of that, we sing about a hope, right? Oh man, there goes our future hope. No, we have to act on that hope that we have now. She had hope and she acted. We have to be the same. There are no hopeless futures thanks to the cross, amen? She could have succumbed to a world. She could have looked at her world, which was a heavy, right? She could have succumbed to that weight and said, whatever you're gonna do, mom, I guess it's what's gonna happen, you know? Athalia was her mother, for those of you who've already forgotten, okay? Uh, I guess my mom's gonna kill our future hope of a Messiah. Oh no. Instead, she didn't succumb to that weight. She acted on her hope. There was a hope and a promise that there was gonna come a Messiah from David's line. And she said, I'm gonna cling to that hope and I'm gonna act on that hope. I'm gonna do something about this. She had a hope and a future Messiah and because she acted on that faith, we are here today singing songs about a risen savior. It's the best story you've never heard. So maybe you're here today and you are ready, maybe for the first time, to be obedient to the call that God has put on your life. Maybe you're here and you're like, you know, I've kind of lived a background character sort of lifestyle. Good, it's his story. Maybe it's time to be obedient. Maybe you're ready to put your faith there and be obedient for the first time and step out and say, God, I've got this hope. I'm gonna act on it. Maybe you're here today and you've never stepped back out of the spotlight to let Jesus be the main character of your life. And if that's you today, man, I wanna invite you to that. I wanna encourage you to that. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow. Today is the day. Maybe you're here today and you are ready to, maybe for the first time, act in hope. You've got the hope, you've claimed the hope. You might even have some hope tattooed on your arm or or put up in your house, like on a little, you know, wall art. You know how Christians do, right? You know how grandma's house is, right? You got your Christian wall art, you claim the hope, but you don't act on it. You go into your workspace, you go into your homes, you go into your schools, you go into your spheres and you do not act on this hope that you have. What a great gift you've been given. Maybe it's time to act on that hope. 
Imagine what we could do. Imagine what God could use us for if we acted on just a little bit of hope in the quiet, in the mundane, in the boring, in the background. We have so much to be hopeful for. So let's act like it. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for the ways that you bless us. God, I thank you so much for this story of faithfulness, this story of hope, this story where your servant did something with her hope. God, she acted on hope. So God, I pray today, if there's anyone in this room who's stirred by that story, who's maybe never acted on the hope that they claim to cling to, God, I pray that they would. God, I pray that today might be a newfound faithfulness for us. God, that we might go away from this place ready to do something about this hope that we claim to cling to. May we not tread our feet. May we not walk in circles. God, may we act on this hope that we claim to love. Father, as we go from this place, I just pray that this story would resonate on our hearts, that we would remember the story of your servant, Jehoshaphat. God, what a pivotal moment in your people's history. God, that we never hear about because you use those background moments. You use those quiet little acts of obedience, God, in ways that we could never imagine. God, may we have the faith that that's true today. Father, we pray all of these things in your son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. You've been listening to the official podcast of Canyon Creek Baptist Church. If you made a decision to commit your life to Jesus or would like to get connected with Canyon Creek, visit us online at creekfamily.org forward slash connect and fill out a connect card. Thanks again for joining us.